0: This is the word of the Thanks be to God. How are we all? Hands up if you're ten out of ten. No one. Oh, I've got two at the back. Five out of ten. Two. Eight. I think I'm about an eight today. Well, it's good to be here, friends. And I know I know that many of you have already messaged me saying all the things that. Laurie has said about me. I think one of those comments was something along the lines of, "Make sure that you tie stones to his feet or rocks or something like that." I must confess this week has been very hard to do that. I've come in. It's been hectic, but I'm looking forward to getting back to normal over the next couple of weeks with you guys. But before we get into the new series today proclaiming the gospel, I'd like to pray with you guys and pray that God We'll open our hearts to what the scriptures are teaching us about this theme of kingdom of God, a theme that I think is often overlooked in our Bible reading, but is so central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have gathered us together today to listen to your scriptures, to praise your name, to enjoy each other in the fellowship. As we look to this theme of kingdom, we do pray that you convict us, shape us, into the people you desire us to be today, right now. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, friends, God has a plan for your life and it's much greater than you might think. The plan has been in in the making since the dawn of creation. It has been prophesied throughout all the ages to a countless number of souls. The plan has been has made the most wisest minds foolish and the greatest empires perish. It does not only impact our future, but this plan is deeply social, ethical, and political at its core. This plan is often misunderstood by the global church and thus has blunted her mission, but this world-transforming project is at the very heart of the preaching ministry of Jesus Christ. What is this plan? This plan is called the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That is... The chief message revealed to us in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And I would also argue John. Jesus communicated to the masses and distilled this message in the hearts of his disciples. That the new world that God had promised will not come into fullness until his gospel is proclaimed to the whole world. The coming of the new creation depends upon the message we proclaim. In speech and in action. What does this tell us? God has a plan for your life. In fact, he has a plan for the whole earth. But that plan all hinges on our understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. And if we do not grasp the basics of that mission, which I will explain soon, the gospel we proclaim may be like accidentally buying a knockoff designer bag, a lesser version of the real thing, while we we might find pleasure in that knockoff for a time, we'll soon see its problems, experience much disappointment in that gospel, and long for a better version—the real one. The gospel of the kingdom is that better version. I'm stressing the word kingdom because Jesus did. And I find it incredibly sad when the church—and this is where I'm going—reduces that gospel down to one or two of these things, these simplified versions of the gospel, just in order to communicate it more simply to people. And I get it, but it actually takes away and strips the whole gospel. And the first gospel that I see often preached is the gospel all about me and what I get from Jesus. I get eternal life. I get that ticket to heaven when we die. It's all about me. Don't get me wrong, we do get salvation. We do get eternal life. But that is not the whole gospel. The second simplification that I see often preached in churches, particularly in more progressive places, is the progress gospel, which is is about basically seeing all the injustices in our world overcome to become a more inclusive society. And so in this gospel, the church tends to become a social or political agency. While there's much good in challenging injustice, for example, abolishing slavery is a very good thing, it's not the whole story either. The story is bigger and better than these lesser gospels. and has always been on the forefront Of real and tangible world transformation and so the key thing we learn about this kingdom is that it is near it was once at a distance but as Jesus started preaching it came near Matthew 15 the time has come Jesus said The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. I'd like to give some context for this verse from Mark. In Mark we read that Isaiah had prophesied, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. We then see this prophecy fulfilled in john the baptist who is baptizing in the desert region calling israel to return to the lord through repentance and that washing in the water represented that repentance and then in the completion of john's proclamation he was then imprisoned and jesus then launched into his public ministry, declaring now that this king who was promised has arrived and now that kingdom is very near. Very close. As he was preaching, he was saying, this kingdom is in your space and time. You might even be able to see it. Why is this kingdom nearby? Jesus is not only an influential, wise rabbi teacher, he is the climax of all the promises and prophecies of the Old Testament. And this long-awaited hope revealed long ago had three key features. All these promises and prophecies were about God's people, God's place and God's rule and blessing, salvation is attached to that as well. And so these three hopes of Israel God's people, God's place, God's rule and blessing was coming near. I'm not going to be able to show you all the exegesis in this sermon, but I recommend buying a book called God's Big Picture for that. And so Jesus thus says that the kingdom is very close because he is embodying these three things in himself. He's saying, I am God's people. I am God's place. I am God's rule and blessing for the world. And if you want some scriptural evidence for this, let's look a bit deeper right now. How can we be sure that Jesus is the embodiment of these three hopes? How can we be sure that Jesus is, in the essence, the gospel? Well, let me show you these three big hopes. Jesus is God's people. He is the true Israel who brings about a brand new humanity. Think about what Jesus is doing when he launches into his public ministry. Ready? What did he first gather around himself? How many? Twelve. Why twelve? What else has twelve? Twelve tribes. Why do you think Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days? Who else was in the wilderness for 40 years? Israel. Jesus is embodying Israel. And even more radical, Israel is known as the vine. What did Jesus say about himself? Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine also look a bit deeper here we see Paul saying Jesus is the new Adam the better Adam the start of a new humanity and so when we look to Jesus we see a whole new people launching a whole new humanity launching in Jesus Jesus is also God's place He is the true God who invites us into the real presence of God the scriptures teach us that the first Adam enjoyed God's presence in the garden, and then later on, the, the, the Israelites enjoyed God's presence in the tabernacle in temple. What does Jesus say about himself? He says that he is the T, the temple. He also says in one John, well, one John, sorry, not one John. John tells us that he tabernacled when he entered into the world among us. Jesus is also God's place because that's where God's presence is found. Jesus says, come to me and you will come to who? The Father, God. Jesus is embodying what it means to be God's place. If we want to know the Father, where do we go? We go to Jesus. The kingdom is near in Jesus. And thirdly, Jesus, and we get this theme often, is God's rule. He's the new king who leads us and offers us eternal rest the hope of israel was that a king and messiah would come and from the very beginning of mark's gospel we see that jesus is the christ the king the promised messiah who has come who john the baptist was preparing the way for and in john's gospel he says come to me all who are weary and i will give you rest and that rest is not only for the now but it's also for the forever because jesus is the forever king But what is the climatic moment of this story? What is the most beautiful news in the whole of that mission of Jesus as he's preaching the kingdom? When did that kingdom break in before people's eyes in a powerful way? Death and resurrection. At the cross, Jesus made a way for us to enjoy him as king, as God's place and presence and all those blessings that we've been looking forward to enjoying. At the foot of the cross, we now are invited also to be a part of God's family forever because on the foot of the cross, we look to Jesus to see a man, but he's not just an ordinary man, he's God in the flesh and he's dying for us to take away our sin so that we can live into this promise and be a part of his new kingdom. And he gave us even greater assurance when he didn't stay dead, but on Easter day he rose and then went to the right hand of God to rule as our forever king and now promises us eternal rest forever with God. What a sweet, sweet work of grace. Is this good news for you that Jesus is calling you now to be a part of a new family to be part of God's eternal presence to be part of his kingly rule which comes with amazing blessings all through his work of dying and rising that is beautiful news for the world it's news that gets me up every morning it's news that I love to proclaim. And so what then is the gospel of the kingdom, friends? The short answer is this. The gospel of the kingdom is simply Jesus. That's why our mission of the church is to counter Jesus. Because we want people to come to Jesus, because he is the gospel embodied for us, gives us life. But the longer answer here is this. The gospel of the kingdom is the arrival of the new humanity, real presence, and eternal rule and blessing of Jesus Christ, now on earth as it is in heaven. And with that comes the great gift also of eternal salvation. Does this gospel excite you? It excites me. If the kingdom of God has come in part through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the way we live now matters. The way you spend your time and day matters. The mission isn't about just going to heaven when you die and telling people that they're sinners and going if they don't repent, they're going to be not going to heaven when they die. It's actually about bringing about Jesus' reign but through the Holy Spirit's power in our everyday lives. It's much bigger then we think, and it's worth living for, don't you think? God now invites us to participate in his mission to see a new humanity formed in Christ, to experience the riches of his real presence in Christ, to enjoy his internal rule and reign and blessings that flow straight from his mighty throne right now as well as in the future when all things come to their end. The mission is not yet completed. There is more work to be done before heaven and earth collide as Revelation shows us to bring about that new creation. I remember when I was teaching scripture to a bunch of teenagers in Cameron Avenue High School. We were wrestling with this theme of Jesus being the new Adam in scripture. We looked at the old Adam, how he failed, but then we looked through past, as we were looking through Genesis, we looked beyond it and discovered, oh, what does it then mean that Jesus is this new Adam? who calls us to imitate him, to become like him. The students were beginning to realize that the gospel that they heard about if you repent and believe and turn to Jesus and you'll be saved and that's it, you can live the life the way you want now, wasn't satisfying them anymore. They wanted to have a gospel that impacted the here and now. And as they grabbed hold of that gospel, they were more energised to see their friends' neighbourhoods come to the realisation that the perfect human Jesus has been revealed and we can now be a, now a part of seeing his kingdom break into our world. And that not only looked like proclaiming the good news of salvation in Christ, but also caring holistically for the community around them. Broken teenagers sitting with them, caring for all their needs. Seeing the kingdom of love break into the world. And friends, I do pray that you capture onto Jesus' prayer that he taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come as on earth as it is in heaven because these teenagers here got that and their lives completely transformed. So my big point, what I'm trying to stress today is I want your gospel to grow in expansiveness today. The kingdom has come and is still coming. It's a now and not yet theological term, tension. The kingdom has come and is still breaking into our world as we live like Christ, as we proclaim the gospel of Christ. But this leads me to a new question How can we live for the breaking in of the kingdom together now? How can we make known the new humanity real presence and eternal rule and blessing of Jesus together in the Hunter that also comes with the gift of eternal salvation? While there's no clear-cut answer in Scriptures, I find it astounding that when the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Acts, this is what happened, and I'm using a simple version called the NLT because it captures the essence of what was happening. and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. The kingdom of God broke into Jerusalem as small groups, interestingly, fellowshiped together in their homes and as they invited their neighbours to experience the kingdom of God breaking in through them. In these groups, They stewarded the new humanity of Jesus through the generous sharing of their homes, their wealth, and their food, the basic essentials of life. They enjoyed the real presence of Jesus through fellowship, worship, prayer. They even saw signs of wonders and enjoyed celebrating the Lord's Supper, recalling the work of God, of Christ, and what happened when he died on that cross to offer us salvation. They lived under the eternal rule and blessing of Jesus as they adhered to, as they devote themselves to the teachings of the apostles, which we find in the epistles and Revelation and the gospels themselves. What was the impact of this radical new life? Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church, the masses experienced the kingdom of God in their ordinary lives. Now, not, not just to come, but in the present, because the kingdom is near, because the, the kingdom has come in Christ. Through their spirit filled communities of love, the whole society began to experience the glory of heaven break in before their lives before their eyes, sorry through everyday people as ordinary as me and you they began to relish the gifts of their Lord, celebrate the wonder of salvation the wonder of hope and guess what happened the surrounding empires began to crumble and quake and fall Caesar, who saw himself as the Christ, was furious. But what good news this is for us. God actually cares about the world he created. He wants to see heaven on earth. Through the preaching of the kingdom, the earth is being renewed, reordered, and recreated. And note that this does not, this does restorative work, sorry, let me rephrase this. This restorative work does not depend upon a brilliant strategy or being culturally savvy, no stylish hipster with killer flat whites, and I like flat whites, or preachers in sneakers. I'm not wearing them today, but there you go. Or having Bieber on, you know, the the quick line to dial can lead us to the coming of this kingdom. It does not come through modern marketing, culture war tactics, or innovative business methods. Well, these are all helpful in moderation, don't get me wrong. Hear this glorious truth, friends. The kingdom comes when the spirit of Jesus brings us together, often in small groups, to proclaim his real presence, steward his new humanity, and live under his eternal reign and blessing together forever. Just let that sink in. This is the climax of the whole scripture in Jesus. And I'm saying it starts now, not when Jesus returns. That's the consummation of this, the end of this, it breaking in now. And so God has a plan for your life and it's worth living, don't you think? Friends, if you're being convicted today, and would like to make that next step in your kingdom journey. I have spoken a lot about small groups today and I'd really like to stress the fact that new life groups are forming in our community. And they're trying to live out this Acts 2 vision together, not just to have a Bible study, but actually think about what it doesn't mean for us to be a new humanity in Christ, to enjoy the presence of Jesus to live under his mighty rule as we look at the scriptures. For those interested, we have three new groups forming. There's one in Musselbrook, one in Seder with Julie and Nigel. There's even one at Marywall. Did I say that right? Marywall? <laughs> There's also three in Scone. I'm moving mine to the Caravan Park. There's one at Margaret Wix's. Where does yours meet, Margaret? Um, In Seder somewhere. Seder as well, yeah. And that's a woman's group. There's one at John Scully's house as well. And also there's one online with Kerry Cook, and that's a Walla Looma, kind of Gundy Moon and Flat group that meet online for an hour. I would like to really stress that this is important to our vision as a church moving forward being in community together, and thinking about mission in our everyday lives. Because I do believe God works through remnants, small groups, 12 disciples to reach the whole world. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. Because the way in which I'm writing the studies is really to live out this kingdom identity. This week, I've got printed booklets at the back there, we're going to be looking at the simple truth of what it looks like for us to receive the kingdom like little children. I'm going are you praying like little children? And I'm going to ask you to really draw close to God like little children because that is the way in which we receive the good news of Jesus, which the climatic moment of that story is the cross and resurrection. So, as we go out today, I'd like you to grab a copy, unless you've got an online copy, that can be found on our website. And I'd really love for you to explore what it looks like for you and your families to live out this kingdom identity. Because God has a plan and it's better than you think. Let me pray. Father, we come to you now like little children. Our lives are messy. We strive to have a non-messy life, but the reality is it's difficult. We do pray that we come before you now with simplicity, with sentences that are not fully structured together, but are meaningful. As we approach your throne now, Lord, we do pray that we can see Jesus and what he's, did, he's done for us. We thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection that welcomes us into this new way of being human where we can enjoy your presence, live under your rule and live into the hope of eternal life that you have promised us. Lord, this gospel is huge but it's the way in which you're changing this world and we do pray that we live in obedience to you under the good reign of Jesus for our whole lives. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.